0: This is The Relevant
1: Podcast. It's episode 957, and it's The Relevant Podcast. Here in Orlando, I'm your host, Cameron Strang, and joining me from Loverland, Virginia, it's Jesse Carey. Hello, hello. From Nashville, Tennessee, Relevant Senior Editor, Tyler Huckabee. Howdy. Derek is out again today. And from Austin, Texas, author, speaker, podcaster, Jamie Ivey. Hey, guys. Um, We have a great show in store for you today. Coming up later, we talk to Akemeni Uwan and Dr. Christina Edmondson. It's a fascinating conversation. Uh, Derek actually does the interview. So we will hear Derek Minor today. So it's actually... He, he, he blew it away. Like, I, I thought it was a
2: really, I, I sat in on it. I did not do, I did not join the conversation, but I was there in case anything went awry. They didn't need me at all. In fact, I, I probably held it back. It showed me, because <laughs> it, it, it's a really, really great conversation. Uh, I'm glad we get to share it with you guys. And, and I thought, everybody
1: did great, but Derek had a home run. We got to get this guy interviewing more people.
3: Yay, We Derek. also have
1: your, your feedback at the end of the show. We have slices coming up. But before we get going, I have, I you know, this is an audio medium. You know and 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 you guys don't realize that we see each other visually Uh it looks like jesse is 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 come through the sat phone coming to us live from kuwait or something out on the i don't know Uh why you're desaturated and you look like you're at an army I i don't know either i i know the power went out
4: here recently and so uh maybe all the the Modems are booting back up. I'm in a very high traffic area. I'm going to point, and I think I showed you the this earlier. There's a window Mm -hmm. right here, and you can see Mm -hmm. probably people out
1: there right now Mm -hmm. at street
4: level. And
1: the so that window is about three feet from you, and that window is directly on a busy sidewalk. So you've got people walking by three feet away from you. My question is: Is that clear glass or is it tinted slash reflective glass? Can they see you?
4: It's clear on my side, and cool. I can see out perfectly. All they see is a mirror, a oh. giant mirror. It's not a small oh. window. It goes from it. floor to ceiling. I love it. And I spend much of my day uh, <laughs> looking out this window, and people will come and stare directly into it, not knowing there is a person directly on the other oh, side. Oh, man. I've Surely seen them. they
1: realize that you guys didn't install a mirror on the outside of your building, and it's a window. Yeah.
2: I mean, You'd sure. be shocked.
4: So so and I got pre- I get pretty used to it. You know, people will come mainly they're just kind of fixing their you know their hair. And sometimes their- you do
2: just need a reflection, right? Like yeah. you're not thinking about who's on their side. You're just like, oh, I just need to check. I just need to see what's going on. Yeah, on and, and
4: I don't, and I don't mind. I've had other people in my office
2: when that when this is happening because it happens
4: throughout the day, the entire day, right? People just stand there and and fix themselves. Some people will be in my office and they'll be on this side, and start pounding on the window to try to scare them. <laughs> That's not my style. I just I, I casually sit back. But the other day. I was sitting here and a guy walks walks by and I could tell the way he's moving he's a little jittery right um, and you know he what looks does a little that nervous mean? Like, oh, nervous. Yeah. yeah okay. He just looks anxious. Okay. And then he like turns around, he like looks out of the side of his eye and he's, and he sees the mirror and he walks by and I'm like, okay. Then I see him walk back by and, and look at the mirror. Okay. You could tell he was on his way somewhere. He, like I said, seemed a little anxious. And then he just stood there, stared at himself and started nodding and doing deep breaths oh. and gave himself a pep talk right in The mirror. Like, he was like, you got this. Listen, Uh, you are unstoppable. You're going to do this. And I'm standing right here on the other side. What am I supposed to do? Like, I'm not, I didn't, it's not like I filmed the guy or anything, but he gave himself this awesome pep talk and then like clapped his hands and just marched away. I almost ran out of the building. was like, you go get him, man. You go get him. (laughs) But it was a guy straight up giving himself a pep talk direct, and the weird thing is, like, they're at about eye level. It looked like he was giving me the pep talk. Aww. It was a very awkward
3: experience, and I did. Did you know. accept it as to you as well? Maybe it was for you too, Jesse.
4: I was so motivated that afternoon. <laughs> yes. I crushed it. I crushed it because. Of, but what? How would you all react? Would you have run out there and and. Or would you spare it in the dignity and knocked on the window? How, I, I was just dumbfounded that what I was See, watching. We've
1: had, we've had a number of offices that, you know, I mean, so, so for six years we were in winter park and we were on a street, a very walkable street and had a lot of windows. And, uh, there was, you know, there was a college across the street, you know, I would mess with, you know, like the baseball, there's a baseball, a college baseball stadium yeah. across the street. And like they had a rule that if they hit a ball out during, Baseball practice, the player who hit it had to go get it, had to go fetch the ball. Well, these balls are flying into our parking lot. They are a hazard. So if we ever saw a ball go flying past the window, I'd run out there and grab the ball before the players saw, and then we'd see baseball players milling all around our parking <laughs> lot looking for their baseball and stuff. So yeah, I'm the guy who goes out and messes with people, yeah. messes with pedestrians. So I I would have probably done a light tap on the window, just enough to say thanks, buddy. Some you someone know. made the discovery that if you that if I get up close enough to the
4: window, like just put my nose you come up, in like a ghost they can figure, see you. Or something. yeah, and I. I'm thinking about getting a scary
1: mask or
3: oh, at least a comical no, mask. Oh, no, Jesse. Not you know? to that man, though. Like Not to Lincoln. him. Not
4: on that day
1: oh, of his life. No.
4: The ghost of Abe Lincoln's back there.
1: Oh, yes. Yeah. Do that. And do, like, thumbs ups and stuff. Like, yeah. <laughs> oh, dude. Just nod. I, I just nod slowly yes. in an Abraham Lincoln mask from,
4: yes. the, from, from the, you know, you see through the veil darkly. You never know what's back there. It could be Abraham Lincoln oh. giving you a thumbs up.
1: Absolutely. Oh I had a big gorilla mask in my office for years. I I would put that on. Oh, right. Like yeah. a big gorilla just kind of come up. But to would him.
4: you fade in and out or would you bob around like you're a captive gorilla? No, I would just kind of
1: come in like and then I'd be gone and he'd be like, did I just see what I thought I saw? <laughs> is there is there a gorilla in that room? What's going on? And they have no way of
4: checking. There's no like street access to here. They would it would be a oh my mystery gosh. forever. And I would love it.
1: Uh, yeah. Hey, give this, you give them a story to tell. I, that's, yeah.
4: Remember that one time we walked uh, by that mirror and there was a legit captive gorilla back there and he was pounding <laughs> on the glass. And I think he in tells human his friends voice, for
1: years, you know, that building that has no entrance right there. You know what they do? Animal experiments. I saw yeah. a gorilla once on the you. glass.
4: And I think in a, in a creepily human voice that said, help me, help me, help me. <laughs> help me.
1: <laughs> They're doing experiments in here.
4: It's crazy, crazy. Oh, <sighs> man, I would I'd be all about that. You got
1: to do that, man. That's well, fun. hopefully,
4: I, I wouldn't be shocked if someone pokes in. I'll turn my camera if it happens during the recording. So.
1: I can send you my gorilla mask. I still have it. Please so. do. <laughs> All
4: right. They're experimenting in here. Help, Coco. Help, Coco. <laughs> 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 oh, my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> we need to help him. They got a very human-like <laughs> monkey in there. I think, I think we got her into the show clip. Help, Coco. Help, go, go. All right. I was trying yeah. to give myself a pep talk before this big job interview. All of a sudden... <laughs> I stumbled upon some <laughs> I mean this thing was human like. <laughs> uh, sounded like a human man talking. Like
2: a p- p- planet of the ape situation. <laughs> I...
4: Coco Coco may be the most brilliant ape ever who's trapped in that random office. <laughs> Why did they just have him in an office? <laughs> Who is Coco? <laughs> And then one day, one day I'm just going to like, I'm just going to come running around the block, like in the, in the eight mask, but wearing like a human robe and just run and just watch. Oh
1: my gosh. Just keep going. Yeah. Just just not stop. Uh, Just, just Uh. don't stop.
2: Just run down the beach until out of sight. With, they found a gorilla with nigh human intelligence. They have him working for a a podcast studio.
4: Maybe. (laughs) Listen, it's hard. This job market is hard to find good people. We had to actually, we had to experiment and then train. Brain, a living primate. <laughs> to, to, oh to, to. Yeah. No,
1: you're just proving the model that podcasting is so simple a monkey could do it. Yeah,
4: it's exactly. it's no, I will yeah. say this: we've done lots of experiments on this monkey, but nonetheless, it's a monkey that's producing podcasts. <laughs> Coco likes
2: me undies. <laughs> <laughs> now, I want to about Squarespace.com? <laughs> when I was making my first monkey website,
4: <laughs> their twenty-four hour customer service.
2: Uh, are you tired of eating bananas all day? Coco likes HelloFresh. I used to get so mad at my own
4: internet provider, I would just sling my poo all day. Now, with Squarespace is 24-7 customer service,
1: I have plenty of time for climbing and bananas. Ugh. Oh uh, uh, well, hopefully this podcast is better than one that a monkey it's could produce. Cocos. So, yeah, I, I, we'll I, see how was, it goes. This
4: was a weird ten minutes, guys. <laughs> <laughs> Who's on the show We're today? Posi- yeah. I already yeah. said yeah. all that. I apologize to uh, them.
5: Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah,
1: absolutely. Yeah, I just wanted to preemptively apologize Derek and Akimene and Doctor. Yeah. All right, we'll move the show along. Stay tuned up next. It's monkey slices. Mm-hmm. Season 2, Moise, the song is Cell Phone Receiver. No, I didn't say moist. I know that word's gross to a lot of you. I said Moise. There's an E on the end. Good band. Season 4 of The Chosen is in theaters now, and the reviews that count are in.
6: Amazing. Did not disappoint.
1: Flurry of emotions. It was powerful,
4: heartbreaking, uplifting.
6: You have got to come and see it. It is a message for everybody. I highly recommend that you come out and see The Chosen Season 4.
1: Episodes one through three of The Chosen season four are in theaters till February fourteenth. So visit thechosenriseup.com and get your tickets now. That's thechosenriseup.com for tickets today. Okay, it's time for Slices. All right, what do you have, Coco? All right. Well, honestly,
4: this is uh, ironically. I didn't plan uh, to to talk about a fictional uh, monkey experiments for 15 minutes, (laughs) and then have a related slice. But I guess it's somewhat related because it comes (laughs) from the world of the the animal kingdom. Um, And this is actually a really cool story. I got turned on to it because I was listening to. Uh, Vox's great podcast, Unexplainable. And they had a scientist from MIT on who's been working with DARPA, which is the, you know, this crazy kind of military technological intelligence agency. And the DARPA has essentially said they will give pretty much an unlimited budget, um, hundreds of millions of dollars if an engineer could figure out basically how to produce a robotic version of of a dog's nose. They call it the nano nose. And the reason they think that this could be a really profound scientific breakthrough is because they have proven that dogs can be trained to smell cancer, Parkinson's, mm-hmm. malaria, uh, and and even uh, there's, there's some studies that believe that they can detect COVID-19 just with one sniff of a human. Um, the crazy thing is, modern science doesn't fully understand how dogs are able to do this just by smelling. But there are tests. Uh, there's a story of one lady who had a, a really deep tumor that other than like really advanced imaging technology and x-rays would be undetectable that a dog was able to not just, you know, identify, but didn't identify where on her body this tumor was like on, it was, you know, on like her hip bone or something. Um, but they also uh, can be trained to, to kind of sniff out, you know, various diseases, and they said that if there's another pandemic, like, you, you know, well, God forbid, but if there's uh, another, well, there will uh, be, yeah. I mean, w- w- when the next be. pandemic, whether it's, you know, as bad as this one or, or worse, one of the major things we ran into was the lack of, um, you know, testing, testing that, that was available. So if they can make this nano nose, which they're really close to, to to kind of reverse engineering the functionality of a dog's nose, it'll actually be a device you can plug into your phone and you can you can hold it up to your body and it will sniff you and can make health diagnosis without even right. ever touching you because wow. of the technology that they're they're figuring out how uh, these dog noses work. And, and when you and when you think about like it's not actually like necessarily um, like an odor like we think it's that their nostrils are able to interpret molecules in ways that just humans aren't. So if they can crack this functionality, it could be a significant breakthrough and make diagnostic technology available to, to you know, humanity around the globe. So really weird, but kind of interesting story that they're working on. That's cool. There's this book really I read
3: cool. a long time ago called... Uh Oh, dancing in the rain or something, something like that. The rain and the dog dances with
1: wolves. dances with wolves. <laughs> no.
3: But the dog, um, the art of racing in the rain, the art of oh, racing, oh, oh, something yeah, like that. Trying. Sure, sure. I don't know, but anyhow, the, he had a dog, and the dog smelled cancer. He he found it, in his wife. I just gave away the whole book, but there you go. Oh, it's kind of crazy that you're talking about that. Was, spoiler! Yeah. Alert. I know. Spoiler alert. I
1: I I have a dog. And I know you're not a dog person, Jesse, but like I live on a lake, you know, and, and we'll, I'll just, you know, it's beautiful in the, you know, early evening and after work's done, I'll just go out on the porch and sit, watch the sunset. And I just sit there and he hangs out with me next to me and he is just smelling the air nonstop, you know, like, mm-hmm. and I know he's smelling something from miles away and he's just very alert and he's just very thoughtful about it. And he's just very intentional about smelling. And I sit there and think about, I wonder what you're smelling. Cause I smell nothing, yeah. you know? Uh-huh. So Yeah, these dog nose things, man. It's it's wild. I'm I'm in. That could be really cool.
4: Yeah, and and when you think about the implications, especially for individuals in developing countries that don't have access to the diagnostic technology that a lot of Western countries do, it, it literally could be something that is attached to your phone and send a report to a doctor, and they could immediately figure out a treatment plan. It's really cool, but it goes back to basic, you know, the basic natural design of a dog's nose. That really could be... A super transformative piece of medical technology.
1: But I'm just trying to figure out, like, how could we ever know that we got it right? Like, we don't mm-hmm. know. Like, it's like a... We don't know. Like, a deaf person doesn't... We could describe what hearing is to them, but they will never understand what hearing is. We'll never understand what the dog is actually smelling or sensing or... Like, how will we know that we got it right? They're just trying to come up with a sensor. You know what I mean? Well,
2: like, the results speak for themselves, I suppose. The results speak for themselves. You know, if it, if it works... Yeah yeah we don't have to know we don't have to know what it's like to smell like a dog does if the if they can recreate
1: it on a tech level well, freaky Friday you can no, switch true. bodies or what was it, uh air bud <laughs> uh, Tim or, Allen, what's yeah. the one, what's the one where the human becomes the dog and vice versa
3: That's not freaky Friday look
4: who's talking to look who's talking to.
3: The The first one
4: was babies. The first one was babies. The second was Uh
1: dogs. Yeah. Three men and a baby. That's
6: what Uh. I was thinking
4: of. No, but, but Cameron, it's interesting you mentioned that because like the, you know, they're not trying to create the smells that dogs create, but create the smell identification system so that if the right combination of molecules go through this complex set of filters that for a dog, when those molecules make it way through the nose filter system, it, it triggers something into their brain that says that's cancer or that's this or that so we're just
1: we're just trying to replicate a model that the dogs have shown us that this is possible let's figure out how it's possible but we're not trying to actually recreate the the dog nose yeah 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 yeah. yeah. got it yeah got it got it cool all right what do you have jamie
3: all right this is also kind of a a recreation thing here all right dyson you're familiar with dyson does anyone have a dyson uh Mm -hmm. vacuum i do Okay, we have one. And I a do
1: Dyson air air fan thing. You have the I Dyson, Dyson air fan. I love using the blade at
4: fancy restaurants where you jam your hands <laughs> in there and you and you kind of feel like this is a very dated reference, but I never stopped saying it. Catherine Zeta Jones dancing through the laser field because you don't want to touch the sides; that defeats the purpose of putting your hands in the blade. Right? right. Mm-hmm. You just you have to
1: hold them very still while the, but, the but water is- But do they is... work for you? Like every time I've ever used the blade, it's like I get this is an air squeegee, but my hands are still wet. So like I, oh, I'm, t- I'm damp afterwards. I'm not dripping. Com-
3: you got to stay a little extra long. A few more dips, Cameron. They're, they're a few more dips. They're completely
4: they're completely ineffective, but it's an interesting sensation that Mister Dyson it has is.
1: come up. You with. got this little like line of air on your hands. It's kind of like ooh, neat. Yeah. Yeah. They also <laughs>
3: have like a Dyson blow dryer and curling iron, which I would not fit mm-hmm. either one of those because they each cost like I think they're like eight hundred dollars or something, yeah. and. I don't have uh, four.
1: I gave one as a Christmas gift once. But, yeah.
3: <laughs> I'll take it next year. Okay, so Dyson has been working on something. When I tell you what they're working on, I want you to know they started working on this six years ago. This has nothing Dog to do knows. with the pandemic. No, but close. Oh. Has nothing to do with the pandemic. This is a zone pollution mask which also doubles as headphones, all right? So it is a contraption that you put <laughs> on, okay? So it has noise-canceling headphones that also cancel out the fans. And then this mask, and there's two photos that I've seen in this article that I'll send you guys. One, it actually has it covering the nose, which I'm like, oh, pandemic, that's great. But another one, it doesn't even go over the nose. It's, a, it's an air filtration, filtration system that you walk around with. So they started working on this because, I mean, pollution, is so very bad, and so this is something. It's a head-mounted fan-powered personal air purifier with over-the-ear headphones. All right, so it has um, <gasps> these.
1: I see it. You look like a robot. It covers your robot. mouth.
4: Yeah, is, isn't, is isn't it strange. weird? Isn't it weird that me and Jamie did not plan this? I my slice was about a super advanced nose. Hers is about an anti-nose, and they right. both use technology
3: covering up the nose. So it has two tiny precision- engineered compressors within each cup that draw air through dual layer filters, okay? And then it does all this other stuff where it filters out the bad and and brings in the good. And so you would wear it when you were, if you're like a traveler on a subway system or you're outside a lot. If I saw somebody
1: wearing that, I mean, literally, you throw a visor on it and you look like a sci-fi character. Yeah, is- you look like Daft Punk. You look, you look like you look like Bane from Batman. <laughs> yeah,
2: yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, this is a Star Wars that, character. It, did Coco get on here?
1: Well, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Coco, down, Coco. <laughs> He's running. He's
4: running down the beach. Get
1: him. <laughs> this is how they yeah, they put this on Coco, and this is how they uh, translate to the human speech. This. I don't is, want to alarm this,
4: anyone. I just saw a very upright monkey man just run out of that office <laughs> and just keep going. And there's been reports of experiments over there. It's a lot of Rumors. I don't want to alarm You guys, anyone. this is the there dumbest thing I've ever seen. they this is going to be
3: on the market in the fall. But Cameron, here's this is what. I was telling Tyler before we started, this is a thing that I would like us all to think about. What is the thing that you saw five years before you got it that you said, this is the dumbest thing. I'll never be, I'll never buy this. I'll never Uh do this. I'll never be a part of this. And now you love it. I'm not saying I'm going to be into this. I'm just saying it seems like it falls into that category of something crazy that you say, I'm never going to. I'm I'm,
1: I'm an early adopter. I'm a tech nerd. I'm an early adopter. I'm first in line for the new device. I'm out on this just because you look so ridiculous. Like you do not look like a normal, emotionally stable person. If you're walking (laughs) down the street wearing this helmet, you look like a psycho. So I'm out.
3: I'm out too. But, you know,
4: I see. I mean, but even on an airplane somewhere where you're kind of like, you know, it's kind of I wish I'd put on a gas mask in here. Like, you know. Like, sometimes I'm in a situation where it's like, I would gladly, like a public restroom, I would slide that thing on and not care if anyone's judging me. I'm getting a fully filtrated experience. I have a
1: middle school boy in my house, and they make a lot of bad smells, and I'm trapped in the car with these smells a lot. I would never wear this device because of odors. Because of those concerns. yeah. Uh I I just, this is really weird. (laughs) I, I wish, this is an audio medium, I wish we could accurately capture how ridiculous this looks
2: we'll post it to social media when, when this goes live we'll, we'll yeah. put it on we we'll can put it on twitter and people can go check it out and see it there because it, it is you you don't understand how strange you would look this would be this is not a like it's not even like weird goggles or big headphones this
1: this is a statement if you it walk outside in like, this it looks like the epcot designers designed this this yeah, looks like a yeah. theme park vert vr set yeah, that did not look cool when it came out, and it did not age well. You know, it just yeah. <laughs> looks like a nineteen nineties version of high tech. It's really
3: bad. Yeah, anyway. it's bad.
1: All right, what do you have, Tyler? Uh,
2: okay, so this is we'll, we'll go we'll go shorter because I know we kind of ran long on the cocoa bit, but I think we have heard about, and I and it's possible that I have even discussed maybe brought as a slice or, or a relevant buzz. A uh, news about the planned sequel to The Passion of the Christ. Mel Gibson. Excuse
1: me. Excuse me. You said we ran long on the Coco bit. (laughs) We did not devote enough time. We ran long on
4: everything but
1: the Coco bit. That's all I'm saying. That was the most important thing that we could have possibly covered. That's going to change humanity.
4: I saw, I saw on a, a, a report like a week ago that the, this podcast was downloaded a million times last month. Now, right. you ask yourself, Tyler, are they looking for things like <laughs> right in the cross-section of faith, culture, and social issues? Or are they looking no. about hypothetical situations involving a captive monkey who's having experiments conducted on him and a prank podcast involving- Podcast
1: experiments. F- yeah. Podcast yeah. experiments.
4: You tell me, Tyler. Oh, I don't know goodness. if the analytics go that deep, but human intuition does. I don't
3: need
4: a, I don't need a nano dog. That t- for me to sniff out <laughs> what's happening here.
3: As Tyler's about to bring us something about the passion of the Christ. <laughs> yeah. Listen, as you know, we're,
4: we're closing out the Lent season with the most reverent time of the year, uh, holy week, uh, where Christ died and suffered on the cross and was rose again. And we're choosing to devote most of this podcast to a hypothetical
3: Cocoa. ape who's
4: having podcast experiments conducted on him. Want to, just want to make sure everyone's aware of what's happening
2: uh, anyway all right well i don't know about anyway maybe i can find a way to to dovetail this to get these two things together we'll see what happens uh-huh. but, but you, we've talked about the, the 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 potential sequel to the passion of the christ right I've, that there's a like i think i've brought this we've talked about it, we've definitely written about it or dot magazine.com before so i've become sort of a truther on this i've become I've, i have a conspiracy theory <laughs> about this oh so i i think that this movie is not real and i think that Jim Caviezel who played Jesus Christ in the first passion is just trying to will it into existence by talking about it whenever he's asked until, until Hollywood finally can, I think it's like, it's like a Snyder verse thing, like the Snyder cut. If you say it
1: enough, that it exists enough, eventually you bring up enough public support. You think that the, the, that then what is he in his mid fifties now, Jim? Yeah, Caviezel, he's yeah he's he's getting up. Wanting to is. play a thirty two year old Jesus, right? Is it like nobody offered him that role because it's getting ridiculous. It. He's yeah. trying to get it made. Because it would be a lifelong achievement for him, so he's just talking it into existence. You do not think that they're actually shooting this movie?
4: And, and, I think and, I can and, prove and, you're, and you're telling me that he would repraise, or should I say, resurrect his role <laughs> as Jesus, <laughs> even though he is now like 25 years older uh-huh. than Jesus, you know, ever was during his time. Okay. That's, That's the whole ridiculous so you, part of it. You guys yeah. are
2: getting into some of my some of my evidence for this, but we can we can go. We, we, I fell down a very deep rabbit hole. Looking into all of this because Jim Caviezel does talk about this a lot in interviews. Uh, as recently as 2020, he said Mel Gibson just sent me the third draft. It's coming. It's called The Passion of the Christ: Resurrection. It's going to be the biggest film in world history. And he does, every time he's asked about this, it's always some very grandiose statement. Like not only is it coming, but it's going to change cinema. This is going to be like mm. this is going to be a, a motion picture. He uh, he also this was from 2018. He said, I won't tell you how Mel is going to go about it, but I'll tell you this much. The film he's going to do is going to be the biggest film in history. It's that good. All right. He so he gives lots of quotes like these while he's talking. The thing is, I do not think there is any actual evidence that this movie is happening or that anybody has even planned on it happening or that there is even a script in existence of any draft of any kind. Have uh, we heard ma-
3: from Mr. Gibson himself?
2: Yes. So we have heard from Mr. Gibson himself. In 2016, he was on USA Today. He was talking about the uh, about Hacksaw Ridge and he said and they asked him like, "Oh, Jim Caviezel, to talk about the 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 Passion sequel coming up." And he says, "Oh, yeah, the Resurrection. Big subject. Oh my goodness. We're trying to craft this in a way that's cinematically compelling and enlightening so it shines new light if possible without creating some weird thing. Um, so that's sort of a, a non-committal. He says there's a resurrection, that's a big deal. We're trying to do something with it, maybe. And they he's then two years later in 2018, he sits down with Fox News. And he's asked about this script again. And he says, well, it's a tall order. It's a vast theological experience. It gets pretty wild. It's an acid trip. And uh, you can hear, and we can maybe, draw. you you can hear in his voice, he gets sort of like a little bit trepidatious. Because he's asked, how close are you to being done? And he says, well, it's sort of never-ending. It keeps revealing itself more and more the further you get into it. Everything from the fall of the angels to, you know, it's just crazy. It opens up all these channels. This is the sort of thing that i say when i have not started on a piece yet like when it comes to me and, and it is like hey uh, deadline's coming up on this piece how are we doing and i'm like oh you know it's so there's so much there we just haven't oh, we we, we were really just digging into and, and like, like, okay well when I is it going to be not done i didn't
4: realize that was assigned to me i thought we outsource that
1: thought- also jim Caviezel was 8 years younger when they were talking about this in 2016 or 2014 i know it's been a,
2: like a, it's been a long time he yeah. appeared again. Mel Gibson was on the Colbert Report. On um, not the Colbert, I always do that. I still think of the Colbert Report. It looked like twenty years ago. He was on. He was on Stephen Colbert, and Colbert asked him about it and asked him, "Hey, is the is this is this still happening?" And uh, Gibson says, "Uh, it's a few years off because it's such a big subject." And so mm. Colbert asks him, "Well, what's it about?" He says, "Would you actually do it sort of like Inferno, referencing the the poem?" And Gibson says, "Well, I'm not sure, but it's worth thinking about, isn't it?" It's worth thinking about, isn't it? He doesn't even tell me like he has the scope of this movie down yet. Like he doesn't know what it would he's yeah. he's like you're, he, I, you're dead on. You have you're a truther. You have revealed
1: yeah. that it is not happening. Does Jim Caviezel Listen. know it's not happening or is he like in <laughs> <laughs> denial
2: trying like, to will it into existence? Yeah. And he might be successful on it. You know, he might he could talk about it enough that people are finally like, "Well, there's interest. People people do seem to get excited whenever he comes up with it." But I don't, we don't need i don't want to get this could get very dark if we talk about all the various like you know Mel Gibson has obviously been accused of like very yeah. like serious things and has had to like apologize for those things Jim Caviezel has become a very big QAnon guy like he's fallen really deep down the yeah. QAnon rabbit hole and believes in some very weird stuff so that doesn't mean that Hollywood won't work with these guys. Hollywood will work with anybody who makes money. But there's definitely a cost assessment to working with, like, that's a liability for a movie like this. Well, one of them seems to have a very tenuous relationship with truth.
4: And so just the fact that Jim Caviezel is suggesting the movie will happen, (laughs) he also suggests that global elites are adrenochroming. Uh, you know, these weird yeah. ceremonies and stuff. So I would I would take anything he says with with some degree. of Listen, skepticism. I,
3: we can solve this whole thing. We can solve this whole thing. You don't have to wait for a movie. If you just go to the largest church in your town on April 17th, you're going to be able to see the whole production go down. Okay. They're going to have a play. Ooh, Baptist right. Largest Baptist <laughs> church. Largest Baptist church. They're going to have a play. Camels. Uh-huh. bringing in. Well, that's the birth <laughs> of Jesus. Maybe. Uh-huh.
2: <laughs> there could be camels. There you <laughs> you
4: could, just do they a could be camels. They bring, they bring them in.
3: Yeah, they and bring Sunday them in.
4: Sunday before, you could have a donkey and the palms. That's and true. Yeah. Uh-huh. My church brings in a hyper-intelligent ape. <laughs> Um, into the production. What yeah. role does he play? Um, All it's, of them. They take some liberties, yeah. But he's it's, mostly, it's a, it's it's a, a of, one man show. It's, it's a really monkey show. It's, 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 yeah, and he and, and he's improving most of it. Um, he, last year went pretty Very far hyritical. off script, yeah. Even for even by you know intelligent monkey standards, it was some weird it, stuff. But uh, <laughs> it was a it was a you know popular two hours at this at the church. So uh, we'll you, see what he's got to this
1: year. Even by monkey theology standards it was radical yeah. we, we right. nice
4: ni- nice love offering after
1: <laughs> <laughs> of bananas you just threw a whole bunch of bananas we just at threw, him we just
4: threw bananas at him which he seemed to either enjoy oh or gosh. he was blown into a blind rage it was hard to tell <laughs> it was hard to tell because we quickly we quickly returned him to his cage and so we don't know
1: <laughs> yeah he needed to record another three episodes anyway so he, yeah, was, exactly. he had stuff he's to do he's got a lot yeah. on his plate Yeah. alright well that'll do it for Slices Stay tuned. Oh my goodness, I am so sorry to our guests. He had like like four mattress ads he had to record. (laughs) 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 Stay tuned, oh nice. Kevin Owen and Doctor Christina Edmondson join us. You're listening to Why Mona. Why Mona? The song is lemons. Well, Relevant has a lot happening this year and we don't want you to miss a thing. Make sure to sign up for our newsletter right there on the front page at relevantmagazine.com and we'll send you our top five trending stories into your inbox every weekday. We'll also send you a weekly uh, podcast newsletter with the latest episodes, some uh, fan extras, and first peeks at the new shows that we're going to be rolling out throughout this year. Make sure to sign up. It's the best way to keep in touch with everything we got going on. Well, today's guests are Akemeni Uwan and Dr. Christina Edmondson. They're co-authors of Truth's Table, a collection of essays and stories that explore the faith and spirituality necessary for a more freeing, loving, and liberating faith. We sat down with our very own Derek Minor to discuss the challenges Black women continue to face in churches, the triumphs they've experienced in their justice work, and what they wish more people understood about racial equality in America. It's an important conversation. Here's Derek Miner with Akemini Uwan and Dr. Christina Edmondson.
5: So the book is broken down into three sections. It's life, it's love, and it's liberation. and there is a chapter that really kind of struck me that I'm like, man, I wonder, I want to I want to hear the heart behind this one. It says uh, protest as spiritual practice. And Ooh. I think right behind that, we have decolonize, decolonize discipleship. Now, it's almost feels like protest as a spiritual practice. When people think spiritual practice, they think Zen. They don't think protest they think zen and i think sometimes like as we as we've looked at some of the rifts you hear the big conversation of um oh, we need to strive for unity right we need to strive for unity and but you're saying protest as a spiritual practice can you really inform us as to what's the mind behind that that's that's a brilliant a brilliant chapter
6: yeah you know that's um that's michelle's chapter and so uh and you know that she is um an, an organizer, you know, right. for the movement for, for Black Lives. And so but I think that in a theological sense, like, I I can't speak for her, but <laughs> right. I could say just from our framework, just as Christians, I think that we are born... Well, actually, Christina has a whole chapter about being born to resist. Okay? Right, <laughs> We're born right. to resist and mm-hmm. resisting sin, resisting powers and principalities um, mm-hmm. that are at work. Um, those dark forces, you know, people don't like to talk about this, but listen, we believe in spiritual warfare at truth's table. Okay? <laughs> so We believe Come that on. there's a real devil trying right. to get you. Um, right. and, and that unless you get under the blood, the blood uh-huh. of Jesus Christ... That, that don't mean, you know, good. So, right. so let me just, you know, get my little black church bag right Come there with now. that. Um, but uh, I would say that, you know, we're 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 born to re- we are born to resist. That's what we do. That's what it means to be Christians. We're always actually beating back or ought to be pushing back um, the powers uh-huh. and pil- uh, principalities of darkness, systems right. of oppression um, that mean to bind Tie up the marginalized, um, those who are destitute, the poor. Jesus came to come against right the the imperialistic powers um, mm-hmm. of of our natural order as well. You know, not only just mm-hmm. um, in the natural, but also spiritual. So, right. so that is the fabric of our faith. You right. know, and so I think it's a it is actually it is a spiritual. You know, it is a real it has a serious spiritual component. Uh, uh, to it, and so that's that's why I'm glad that that chapter is in there because I think it's important because people have a hard time holding those two together.
5: Absolutely,
0: yeah. I, I think I think that one of the reasons why people have a hard time holding it together is because there's a concerted effort to not yeah. be able to hold them <laughs> together. Mm-hmm. And I also think depending on your your social vantage point and privileges, you you have a greater or less desperation uh-huh. yes. to be able to embrace that truth, yes. right? And so we could probably look throughout throughout generations across different continents and see people who are now the descendants of people who would have embraced this idea of, of the kind of protesting Christian when they were at the bottom, when they were being right. subjugated by the king. <laughs> right? But but now, in maybe a seat of privilege in, a, in some generations where they are today, that may seem out of order. And they may even be tempted to manipulate theology to suppress those who are part of the family of God to not speak up wow. when God has compel them to do so. So certainly I think, mm-hmm. um, you know, w- where we sit in this social project <laughs> um, causes us to seek out scr- scripture with different types of desperations.
5: Right. And in that same one, I see forgiveness. I see it in that same section, forgiveness. Can you unpack that? Because I think, you know, I know me as a black man and for uh, a lot of my brothers and sisters, we ain't made it there yet in certain places, right? We struggling a little bit. Can you unpack the importance of that, of that chapter for me?
0: Yeah. So that, so that's one of my chapters. And, um, it's, it's interesting because I think, I think Derek, I've had other people talk about that. They're like, Oh Lord. <laughs> right. <laughs> and and yet I think, yeah. So I tried to do some, some framing around, um, what is forgiveness and what it means to carry these debts and what what debts can we even expect (laughs) to be paid, you know, um, um, and and what we are due. Um, But yeah, but I don't think of forgiveness as one and done. I think of forgiveness as a disposition in which we live with. Oh, it's, it's kind of a desire or a longing that we have is to live free right to live unburdened And so I, the example then that chapter people will read is you know i talk about what's you know if you ever had a debt collector call you know if you've ever owed anything or people think you owed something like you know debt collectors have a really um exhausting job because they get tossed right. out mm-hmm. by people
5: <laughs> you know, <laughs> exactly you
0: know, and, you know. And, often, and oftentimes you know when people have wronged us like straight up because that's that's what happens to us in this life. There are people who, we have our sin, people certainly sin against us and Christ has something to say about that in his death and resurrection, even the, our sins, the sins against us, mm-hmm. that we can live like per- perpetual debt collectors. You know, we're, mm-hmm. we're constantly trying to collect debts from people. Um, and the, the the level of work and exhaustion that that can take, and it doesn't mean that we're not do it, we're do justice, we're due, you know, we do these things. Right. Um, but it, it can also be, you um, a distraction at times. Mm. It can become all consuming. And so Mm -hmm. in that sense, thinking about how forgiveness can free us up. Mm. And I just, I I think again, to think about um, the ways in which black women have been um, mistreated so deeply Mm. um, and ignored and attempted to be silenced because we still talking. Mm. right? (laughs) Um, Right. And the consequences consequences we bear for when we talk, Mm. um, that I think that there is a credibility in Black women talking about the the freeing and liberative power of of forgiveness.
5: There was a, a very interesting chapter, and it really connected with me. Um, I went to a multi multi ethnic church um, in my formative years, just you know, college and and after college. And I remember thinking like, okay, this is what we're supposed to do, right? Like it's supposed to be, the the church is supposed to be, you know, all of these people put together and all in this one place. And I remember um, the way it ended, it ended really, really badly. Um and mm-hmm. a lot, and it really happened around the time Mike Brown was killed, and Walter Scott and mm-hmm. uh, and all mm-hmm. these different mm-hmm. brothers and sisters mm-hmm. and I remember just being so heartbroken mm-hmm. um yes, being, being, yes, being uh, destroyed internally, just mm-hmm. being like I'm mm-hmm. uh, feeling unprotected um and 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 still to this day still carry some of those wounds. And there's a mm-hmm. chapter here, and for selfish reasons, I, I, I would love for you to unpack it because I think there's probably some people that are in multi ethnic churches that are listening, and for people that may have left some multi ethnic churches. And the chapter says, Love and Justice in Multi Ethnic Worship. Please unpack that one <laughs> for me.
0: <laughs> well, this is so, so, Michelle, this is, you know, Michelle's kind of um, a worship leader and uh, a church leadership wheelhouse mm-hmm. in a lot of ways. Um, mm-hmm. My work, it's interesting because I don't talk a ton about this this topic, although I spent a fair amount of time through uh, research and collaboration mm-hmm. talking about um, yeah racism in the church, multicultural, multi ethnic churches, all all those things outside of this book. I, I took it as an opportunity to not talk a whole lot about that in this book. For me, <laughs> so much <laughs> talk about that. Right. But I would, say, but there, what you just described, I think there's a lot of people who. Um, see that and are told that like, this is going to be, this is a foretaste of heaven. This is the way that it, it ought to be. And I think what I remind people is that we got the visible and the invisible church. The invisible church actually is that way. Right. It is that way. It mm-hmm. is every tribe, nation and tongue. Mm-hmm. Um, we we are going to be worshiping uh, with people that represent so many different communities and experiences and cultures. And that is to the glory of God. And that's an expression that Christ is over all of the world in love and compassion like that. That's that's going to happen, not because we will it. Or we want it, but because yeah. Christ is the head of the church, it's going down. Um, <laughs> with that, with that being said, on this side of glory, mm, right. on this side of right. glory, um, we uh, we have got to do the work of of resisting sin. Yeah. And taking stock of who has power, social power, and, and right. who doesn't have power. Mm-hmm. And I think oftentimes what we see in multi-ethnic multi churches, multi-racial churches, um, usually it's mainly multi-racial. multi-racial churches is that um, we, we can get a good photo op. There may be phenotypical diversity, but there is not a distribution of power and honor. Mm-hmm. which is one of is which is kind of one of the necessary components <laughs> of what it means to be baptized mm-hmm. in Christ together that we are submitting to each other wow. that we are honoring each other that we are walking together
1: That was Akimini Uwan and Dr. Christina Edmondson. Make sure to check out their new book, Truths Table, and find more of that conversation at relevantmagazine.com. Okay, up next, it's your feedback. Listening to Peabod, the song is "Spring Theory." Okay, it's time for your feedback. Last week, I don't know how this came up. Why did we talk about diss tracks last week? Y'all remember? Um, uh, because of uh, a Pusha T.
4: Oh yeah.
3: I don't even know what a diss track is. You guys, am I old? What is push this? T
4: Arby's You're diss old. track. I'm it's, old. It's when when an artist makes a song with the intention of
3: disrespecting. Oh, I got it. Okay, got artist. it. Mm-hmm. Yeah
1: puts down somebody else in this, in this music. Yeah. Uh, so we got talking about that. And, uh, we asked you what your favorite diss track of all time is. You guys hit us up on Twitter at relevant podcast and uh, answered us on Instagram as well. Here's a few of our favorites. Um, should we play clips? Let's play clips. All right. So we'll say the name and then Clark will play a clip. Here we go.
4: I like this one from Ben. It's Carly Simons. You're so vain. Um, because she never actually says who it's about. Uh, there's rumors that it could be about multiple different guys. But, you know, but the the, the, the line is you're so vain. I bet you think this song is about you. What a degree of psychological warfare. She's playing with every <laughs> yep. person she's chess. ever met because they're chess. all thinking yeah. she was. That was a shotgun blast. You know what uh-huh. I mean? That wasn't a sniper shot of targeting. That is everyone. I bet you're thinking about it. What a play by Carly Simon. She was able to distract everyone in her life. Alright, here's a clip. You're
1: so vain. You probably think this song is about you. So so Alright, I love this one. Uh, the, the username is Love Light Music. It's, <laughs> the favorite disc track is Chris Tomlin's Our God, because it totally <laughs> dunks on all other gods. Here's a clip. <laughs>
4: He ain't putting on the Ritz, I'll tell you that. I don't know about your God. But <laughs> every, wor- <our laughs> every,
2: worship's,
1: every worship song is a diss track. Listen, I'm it's not going to disparage. All,
4: uh, I'm not going to disparage. Someone's. I think that's the Rich
1: Mullins version you're talking yeah. about. The it putting is. on the Ritz one. Yeah.
4: Oh, our God. Yeah. I don't know. About, I, I'm not trying to disparage other religions, but I know our God, he ain't putting on the Ritz. And you, I'm implying that yours is. And so how does that Buddha, a,
1: Buddha you, putting on the Ritz all the time. You ha- you, <laughs> you, our God's You, putting you on
4: worship the Ritz. a God who puts on the Ritz. How does that feel? <laughs>
2: <laughs> Not ours there's He's a awesome. lot of our there's, is a, awesome, there's a lot of like Christian I guess I, that that kind of works for our, our for our crew there's a lot of like Christian songs like this is a like the W's the devil is bad is a is a distract on Satan which is <laughs> which I guess is fair Hey the, and Lauren said that here's a clip
1: of the W's classic the Devil is bad oh,
6: I don't do it it is I' want to be a around here no more.
2: You all the devil and the devil is bad hey. You
0: all the devil and the devil is bad hey. You all the devil and the devil is bad hey. You all the
6: devil and you are bad
4: Well, along those lines, Not Today by Hillsong United That's a diss at the devil
1: Not today, Satan
3: Not today, not today. Satan We're just
1: dissing the devil left and right,
4: yeah. right here's, yeah. not,
1: here's Hillsong United, nothing. Not Today He's got nothing I'll
3: sing
2: I, I actually I don't do this. I, I responded to this question of the week. I got in on this action. They, put the very, I said because I said takeover. I thought Jay Z's I thought Jay Z's shot at Nas was one of the all was one of the all But the Jay Z Nas feud just kept going for a long time. Although I don't yeah. I think they've they kind of patched up, right? Aren't they friends now? Probably All right, here's
1: here's takeover by Jay Z.
0: When I was pushing weight back in eighty eight, you was ballerina. I got
6: the pictures, I you. Then you demeanor. Well, we don't believe you. You need
3: more people. this isn't on the list, but I'm watching the Conway Kanye West documentary thing. And I'm yeah. not a mm-hmm. Kanye West fan, so I don't know any of his music. But they I think they said in there that he talks about Taylor Swift in one of his songs. I know the whole debacle on the yeah. stage, but does he talk about her in one of the songs?
4: He does. He does. That's this little
2: the little yeah, crack. I think it was
4: on Life of Pablo. He made a explicit reference to her. Um,
3: but,
4: Jamie's trying to
1: get us get that clean rating off of our podcast.
6: We're not playing. The, we're not playing <laughs> oh, no, Jamie's no. suggestion. Nice try,
1: Jamie. <laughs> nice try. <laughs> that's that's what Coco. That's what Coco's uh, podcast
4: is for. Yeah, <laughs> those Alan's hot takes. You can take that to Coco's podcast. Off the rails. <laughs> oh.
1: Back to the cage, Coco.
3: This person said no scrubs. Are yeah. they talking about sure. the song from TLC? Yeah,
1: sure. yeah. TLC is no scrubs. They're they're dissing guys who a scrub are, is a guy who thinks he's fine. I love yeah, that yeah. song.
3: Hanging out the s- side of passenger's, hanging <laughs> out the passenger yeah. window of his best friend's ride. Yes.
1: Yeah. No scrubs.
3: No again. scrubs.
1: We're dissing I appreciate, all the scrubs.
2: I appreciate that song because they start off with the definition. Yeah, a scrub, a scrub is. is a
3: guy who can't <laughs> get no like, more love. Songs let's, define, do that. let's
2: define the terms here. <laughs> yeah, <first>. yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> more confusion here. More songs should lead the with first that. Several give, verses,
1: give us uh, the Webster's way. dictionary says. <laughs> yeah, more songs need to start out that way, uh, like high school term papers. All right. There's a lot more where that came from. Go go ch- look at our mentions at Relevant Podcast. Okay. It's time for this week's editorial question of the week. Hey. You know, earlier we were telling you about Jesse's experimental <laughs> ape that works in their podcast mm-hmm. studio there. And, uh, good work. you know, big news. The Coco Podcast Network is launching soon. And for this week's question of the week, we want your ideas for shows for the Coco Podcast Network. What shows would you like to see from Jesse's very well-trained? Guerrilla coworker. And maybe the
3: theme song should be, uh, who sings it? Gwen Stefani, (laughs) B-A. See, looky there. I got a theme song for it already.
2: I love it. I love it. Thank you. Tell you what, we will vote on everybody who responds (laughs) and the winner will get their podcast made by Coco. Yeah. (laughs) 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 I'll
4: say this. Don't expect a quick turnaround time because he's extremely slow. He's just now (laughs) getting his first one done and he's been at this about four years now. And I'll say this, it's not listenable. <laughs> <laughs> some dark stuff. Some dark stuff with all
2: those. There's no way Spotify. Sets. There's no way Spotify is going to host it. We're going to on the dark web with this one.
1: <laughs> <laughs> all right, hit us up on Twitter at Relevant Podcast, and you can, you find can it also. On Rumble. Uh, for, race, for all species. Truth, the Truth Social Network is uh, going to host it. All right. Uh, yeah, hit us up for your show ideas for the Coco Podcast Network. Well, before we wrap things up, I want to thank Akemi Uon and Dr. Christina Edmondson for joining us today. You can pre-order their book, Truth Table now. Also, check out more of that conversation at relevantmagazine.com. Hey, while you're at the site, make sure to check out our spring issue. We have amazing conversations with filmmaker Adam McKay, Madison Pruitt, Maisie Peters, uh, Channing Tatum, Ryan Reynolds, Bob Goff, Shana Nequist, so much more. It is jam-packed. It's available for free. You can see a free version at relevantmagazine.com. You can also get the enhanced version ad-free uh, by subscribing to Relevant Plus. It's one of the key benefits of Relevant Plus, as well as ad-free unlimited reading at the website, uh, exclusive version of this podcast, like I mentioned, an exclusive new podcast called Relevant Plus Conversations, and more benefits coming. Um, go check out all the information. Find the plan that fits your budget. Things start as low as two fifty dollars a month. You can find out everything at relevantmagazine.com. Also, don't miss our daily devotional series, Deeper Walk, which is presented by Lumo. Uh, we publish a morning devotional each each weekday, and you can also sign up to get that devotional sent to your email address. It's right there in the faith section at relevantmagazine.com. Much appreciation to Lumo for making Deeper Walk possible. It's a great way to start your day. Also, if you like the show, make sure to re- review it and rate it wherever you listen, whether it's Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Spotify. All the spots. Uh, it helps the algorithm, helps people find it. And we love seeing the feedback. If you don't like the show, just keep it to yourself. This is a positive place. This is a place where there's love and happiness. <laughs> okay. <laughs> On that note, we'll wrap it up. I'm Cameron Strang. I'm Jesse Carey. I'm
4: Jamie
2: Ivy. I'm Tyler Huckabee. All right. We'll see you next time.